Liberty lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you ride with the thought, you've always got a home The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe Let's get into the show Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Liberty Lockdown. I have a very special guest with me today. His name is Nathan, and we have been volleyball buddies for years now, and he is headed out of town. We've talked politics enough over our uh, our brief history together that I thought it would be interesting to have him come in and basically do a Q&A on what uh, anarcho-capitalism is, what libertarianism is, and just see like what the differences are, see if there's common ground that can be found amongst someone who's uh, younger. How old are you, Nathan? 24. 24. And do you classify yourself as any political party in particular at this point? Honestly, as of right now, between between how I was raised and where I was raised, we, we never really dove too deep into the political side of things, which is exactly why I kind of reached out to you. You know, obviously, knowing that you have this show and this podcast, being able to dive in really deep on these subjects. And obviously, you're, you're very well spoken. You're very, you're very well read up on these topics. But is like for me... It would it'd be something that's interesting to see the perspective of someone who who's not well rehearsed in this this topic. And yeah. I feel like it's this is a chance for me, but also the viewers to be able to, to see, hey, this is libertarianism 101. This is the first right. step. These are people who can join in and, you know, from square one, get an understanding and then they can dive in deeper. Yeah, it's perfect. And I've been trying to find someone for a few months now that I thought would be a good fit for this, um, this subject matter. So I thought that you'd be a great... Great one since uh, you're younger, you haven't really got uh, so deep in it that you're like, oh, I'm ride or die Trump or I'm ride or die Biden or any of that bullshit. So uh, we can actually have an open-minded conversation, which uh, by the sounds of things, I would imagine that with your upbringing, you would have been open-minded even if you were my age. But um, at 24, you're definitely fresh as a daisy. Fresh as a daisy and (laughs) smell nothing worse. (laughs) Um, So uh, do you want to plug anything? Tell people where they can find you? Uh, you know, we'll keep it anonymous for now. We'll see, uh, we'll see how the comment section looks after this, uh, this podcast. We'll see if the downloads are uh, good or bad and then we'll, we'll make our headway from there. Okay. Well then, uh, let's start with this. How about you tell me, uh, what your biggest questions are about libertarianism and I'll see what I can answer and we'll just kind of bounce off each other. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, going into this, it's, it's just the mindset of, of what I have. And like you said, it is open-minded. I'm not biased one way or the other based off. I just, I don't know enough to really choose sides. Obviously there's the, the knowledge and the information that you gain from talking with others, but it's, it's all perspective based, right? So it's my, my first question is going to ultimately, I, I don't want a perspective of, you know, like what is, you know, being a libertarian mean for you mm-hmm. or for other people, but it's just per definition, you know, what is, what does it mean to be a libertarian? Oh man, I should have prepared better. Uh, what it does it mean to be a libertarian? To me, it's all about property rights. And by that, I mean, yourself would be the first, the foundation. So self-ownership is actually the, the foundational principle of libertarianism. So for me, that is the, the principle by which all other laws and all other principles are established. So I own my own body. That means that I can do what I want with it. So that means there's no drug laws. I can kill myself. I can do basically anything as long as I don't infringe on someone else's right to do what they want with their body. Um, 
I, that's probably the most simplistic answer that I can give. Obviously, when it comes to statism, which would be the Republican and Democrat parties, and amongst many other iterations of government, uh, they believe that the government and usually the majority in democracy have a right to dictate to people what they can or can't do with their bodies and with their property. Um, libertarians in general believe that the government and the mob rule has no right to strip you of your assets or to, you know, take any possessions from you or take your your being, imprison you, unless you actually harm another human being. Okay, so I mean, there, but there there is a line though somewhere that's that's drawn in the sand. So what I'm what I'm understanding is yeah. it it does it is heavily based off the individual, and it's it's their ability to choose their actions to have not necessarily ultimate freedom, but it's it's a lot more freedom than what we're used to. But at, yeah. at what point, you know, where where is that line? Where do you know, let, let's say hypothetically, you know, that's this is the direction that the country goes in. Let's say every single person becomes libertarian mm -hmm. and, and the entire country is on the same page. They all have these same views and ideals. God willing. At, at, at what point <laughs> at what point do you draw the line? At what point is it OK for someone else to step in and be like, hey, you know, so I, I understand you, you talk about killing other people or things like that. But on, on the smaller day to day things, not not quite such a, a big show of or you know a big crime mm -hmm. but when it comes down to you know something small like like petty theft or breaking and entering or um the all of that would fall under property rights so basically the same as your body is your property like there will be laws whether you have it so this this is uh, an important distinction to make there are two different lines of thinking within libertarianism there's the anarchist or the anarcho-capitalist, which is what we talked about yesterday. And then there's the libertarians. Libertarians tend to believe that there should be a government, but it should be as small as possible. They're also called minarchists. So it'd be a minimum anarchy. So a minimum government, but still anarchist based. Um, so essentially the libertarian belief is that the government should be as small as possible to defend people's property rights and, you know, their being essentially. So their, their safety at the, you know, fundamental level, the anarchist, principle would be more that it would all be dictated by local agreements. So instead of having the Bill of Rights on the national level and a federal government, which handles uh, uh, law and legality and imprisonment and things like that, it would be dictated by like maybe the city of Carlsbad or the people of Carlsbad would come to an agreement on what laws apply here and what are the punishments if you break them. Okay, so so I mean, ultimately, it's it's breaking it down. So at at some level, you will have a, a national agreement where everyone is on the same page. But ultimately, you that break that it. would be libertarian, yes. Okay, and then it and then so when you break it down, and, and when you go to the the minimal side of things, is it we're not even talking statewide. We're talking citywide. We're talking like a like a city mayor in every single city that has their own that, control. That would be the anarcho. Uh, future that we would kind of hope to drive towards where you get as much decentralization of power as humanly possible. Okay. You wouldn't have a standing army at that point. You would have in our, you know, utopic ideal, you would have a very heavily armed population, but you would not have a standing army. So it, we would not be basically capable of wars of aggression, but we would be extremely difficult to rule over. I'm sorry, I'm getting kind of sidetracked here, but um, on a more base level, Yes, the the government would be as small as possible. They basically the the thesis is always that the government which is closest 
is always the one that rules best. So that would be the libertarian idea that you want all of the rules coming from people that are living in your neighborhood that have to suffer under the same, you know, dictates that you do. You don't want people 3000 miles away dictating the laws that you have to function under. Um, so that would be the libertarian ideal. The anarchist ideal would be that it would even be smaller than cities. It wouldn't even be on a mayor basis. It would just be local agreements essentially. So I'm going to stick to libertarianism. I'm going to stop hopping back and forth between anarcho-capitalism and libertarianism because I think it'll make it more complicated than it has to. Okay. So we'll just stick with libertarianism as an explanation. But basically anything I say, extrapolate it to its extreme and that would be anarcho-capitalism. So it would be like, instead of having the government provide as little as possible, the government would provide nothing. Absolutely. So. Okay. And in, so, you know, before we really do just kind of dive down just the one path, is there... Ideally, is there any situation where it's sort of a hybrid between the both? Is there their common ground where both can stand where? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're allies by all accounts. I mean, we basically most people that fall under anarcho-capitalism would love to see a libertarian uh, structure because it would be so much closer to what they hope for than what they have today. But that's not to say that, you know, many, many anarcho-capitalists don't vote. They don't believe in supporting the system. They are basically withdrawing from the system because they believe it's corrupt and immoral. Um, so they, they would be the type of people that there's another subcategory amongst these people called agorists. Agorists just believe that essentially you should function as, as well as possible under the state, out of the state's purview. So like you don't pay taxes, you don't, then that's, that's an extreme level that I don't go towards because I have too much to lose at this stage of my life. But uh, some younger people do that. So it, there's there's a many um, striations within the the foundation of this kind of freedom movement. Um, so I'm going to try not to to bounce all around them because it'll just confuse the shit out of people. Um, but yes, to answer your question, yes, libertarians li- libertarians and anar- anarcho capitalists are uh, largely similar. They would definitely be seen as allies to each other, um, but they have meaningful differences that should be discussed at a, you know, at a different time. Absolutely. So it's, I mean, so to, to kind of see it from a different perspective is looking in at at what point when you're having this conversation with somebody and it's, it's, you know, people that, that aren't libertarian and when people have a decision to make, whether it's leaning left, leaning right, whatever it is, when you are discussing this, this with somebody who is, who is not a libertarian and, and you're talking about it, you're talking about the causes, when they are thinking about it, what is, what is some of the negative things or the negative perspectives that others would have mm-hmm. that, that lead them, you know, what, what's stopping people from everyone being a libertarian? What is, sure. you know, what's the well, con list? Uh, it's, there's a multitude. And um, I'd say first and foremost, it's that it's never existed. So people have a hard time wrapping their mind around it. Just for your uh, understanding, the, the concept of libertarianism, while it's rooted in many of the foundational Western principles of um, European democracy and and the Enlightenment is where much of these ideals come from. The actual party itself didn't start until like 1970 or so. So in terms of political movements, it's a very new thing. Um, even though many of the ideas are old, it's kind of been an amalgamation of concepts that have been boiled down into this uh, this party, which is not great. The, if I'm being honest, the Libertarian Party itself, um, the organization is pretty shitty, and I don't think it does the the cause justice. But 
the principles themselves are very well thought out. I think it's probably the most logically developed political philosophy um, that I've ever encountered. So that's why I'm a fan of it. I'm sorry, we got dis- distracted. Uh, you were asking me about what what oh so yeah the reason the reasons that people um, I guess don't classify themselves as libertarians. So yes, first and foremost, it's because it's new. You know, people people haven't seen it put into practice, so they are rightfully um, cautious about pursuing this. Um, secondarily, oftentimes people view themselves as helpless without the help of the government. They believe that, you know, if you don't, if you're not capable of sustaining yourself, that if you don't have the government there, no one will be there for you. And that's obviously a fair concern as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I have many answers for all of these, but I'm just trying to kind of list off the reasons. Uh, They also believe that without a strong standing army, that you couldn't defend yourself against, you know, invaders, conquerors, um, what else? They believe in democracy because they think that without without mob rule, essentially you would not you would have just rule of the most wealthy and the most powerful. So those are those are probably five of like the biggest reasons that people classify themselves as not being libertarian. Right. Um, I could certainly give you counters to each of them, but tell me tell me which of those uh, do you fall into? Which which one holds the most weight for you? Yeah, so I mean, it. I mean, it does make sense, and obviously, being that it is only you know forty, fifty years old now, and and being a new concept, the I, I am understanding the concept, and I'm I'm listening to what you're saying, and it I, you know it is registering, but it just it comes down to if if it's something where people want to to get this started, if people want this to you know end up at one point being the the main factor, being you know the heavy hitter that's actually coming in and and being voted on, and it's 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 a change. It needs to be it needs to be coordinated. the The concept of it is basically going to be for the individual, yeah. but ultimately you you need to lead these individuals in some way to you know in the same direction towards the same movement. And even if when it comes down to the the smallest level, the individual level, you are going to have a lot of people that are going to have their slight differences and you're going to have people that are going to have their extreme differences, all still identifying as libertarians. So it's just at at one. And and the biggest thing is just basically what would need to happen in order for this to, to, you know, take flight in order for this to actually get some, some heavy movement. At, At what point are you actually having someone lead and and start this movement and you know actually band together but at, at some point you do need somebody to spearhead this yeah so where's the balance between having that leader having one person basically having an ultimate say in representation while still having the individual in their the, you know right. in the best mindset and and how do you find a leader amongst a group of people that push back against groups that push back against leaders yeah 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 um that's the hard part i mean uh are you have you ever heard of ron paul you're familiar with him at all uh, I believe maybe recognize a little the name. bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you're younger. So back in 08, he ran for president. Uh, he was a Republican congressman from Texas, but he's died in the wool libertarian. Uh, there's been a few libertarians that ran and got into office as Republicans, and he's definitely the top of them. So it's a guy like that that is able to kind of galvanize our movement. Um, obviously, as you said, there's still going to be differences amongst us. So some people are head over heels for him. Other people like him but don't love him Um, but he was capable of relaying the message in a way that was palatable and understandable to people that don't know anything about it Um, so I think that's why he had so much success 
I think that a guy like that is what we'll need. You know, a guy like like him, he was a doctor. Um, he wasn't even tremendously well-spoken, but he understood the principles in a really uh, deep way. And he was also very wholesome. So he came across likable. Even if you didn't, you didn't believe in the things he was saying, you believed that he believed in them. And that was powerful. You know, a guy like that is, is really what we need if we're going to have success moving forward. Um, my personal opinion is that we need a firebrand. We need a Donald Trump of libertarianism. We need a guy who gets out there, screams from the mountaintop about how fucking corrupt the media is and how uh, terrible the political system is and how basically we need a fundamental change, if not a revolution. And that is, that's what we're looking for. You know, who that is and where they'll come from, we don't know at this point. Uh, but I, I agree that that is the challenge for sure in galvanizing this movement because it is so based off of individualism and, you know, obviously we haven't done it yet. So that's, it's a work in progress. We'll that's, see. Yeah. So, and you know, to, to speak, so, so going along with this path, once you have, let's say, you know, down the road, we, we find an individual, there is someone who is spearheading this, creating the movement and, and there's, there's getting traction on it. Is, is there going to be a point given that the ideals for this is for the individual is there a point where once it's already set in motion that you then disband whoever's the spearhead like is there a point where you you don't give too much power or control or you know one person to have a say one way or the other is there a point where one person will will you know take take us to that point and then he just kind of steps back and merges back with the crowd and then it's just we let the wave i mean you know what i mean yeah uh, it's actually a really similar concept. I don't know if you're familiar, but George Washington uh, was asked if he wanted to be king after they won the Revolutionary War, and he declined it. And that's essentially what we need. We need a guy who's going to get himself into a position of power, in which case he can remove his power. And that's a really tough ask. Um, so you need someone who's deeply principled, someone who is so aggressively against tyranny and so deeply uh, devoted towards freedom that once he through whatever miracle ends up the president of the United States then turns around and says we are now demolishing all of this and that is that is what Ron Paul was you know he was he was prepared to end the Federal Reserve he was prepared to um, diminish basically government as a whole by 90 percent like in his first term that was his promise he was like I'm going to cut everything and for libertarians that's music to our ears we want that because we want to have as decreased a state as possible because basically the more the state rises the less freedom you have right and that's his principle so that you don't in the libertarian idea of still having a minarchist government a very small government that provides basic services of defense and um and police and things like that you wouldn't have to have the president actually get in there and then step down. Um, but you could have him get in there and just like implement as much as possible to get us as close to freedom in our view as possible. One thing. So, you know, and, and of course, just, just so, you know, all the listeners are aware, this is, this is me hearing all the stuff for the first time. This is me interpreting this and and processing all this This on the spot. This is good. Actually, please tell people that I do not 
talk about this shit all the time in my regular life you, you don't rarely <laughs> yeah rarely and and when you do but but i mean just like just like you said when when you listen to someone speak and you you just you can feel the emotion you can feel the passion behind their words and it's something that they truly care about mm-hmm. and it's something that they will dedicate hours you know every day you know dozens <laughs> of hours through the week do, yeah. hundreds of hours through them it just to to have someone because it's because you have to be careful, especially in, in, in it's 2020, you know, information's out there. People are spreading everything so quickly that it's people have the world at their fingertips and, and your phone has access to everything that you need. Yet people will, will hear just one thing from one source and, and they call that truth and they'll, they'll stick by that. Yep. So as, as we're talking about this, as I'm picking it up, it just on a, on a world scale. So so let's say ultimately our entire country converts and, and everyone is a libertarian. It's, it's down to the individual to take well, care of themselves and protect themselves. In fairness, we would never hope nor desire nor expect that everyone would be a libertarian within of, a libertarian of course, society. Of course. You could have socialists within a libertarian society as long as they're doing it voluntarily. The, the basis of all of our concepts would be that everything is voluntary. So if you want to be in a commune where you're like, you pool all your resources, you pool all your labor, everyone gets paid an equal share. You can do that. That's the beauty about the libertarian ideal is that even though we believe in the individual, within our community, you can have commune type setups where socialists and communists can actually thrive and live and exist peacefully with us. So that that's what's beautiful about it is that we, we allow for differences of opinion. We accept that everyone's not gonna feel the same. All we ask is that everything that occurs within the country is voluntary. There, there, nothing can be coerced. So, is is there a point when it comes to a world scale? Obviously, every country is going to have uh, agendas. Every country is going to have what they're looking for, and there's there's going to be a way to go about it. Do you feel like there's there's breaking everything up into smaller groups? not having one centralized, you know, mind or, or a room of guys that are making decisions for the entire country. Is there a point where you think other countries having their agendas, it, it might not be in our best interest to have it down to a, a small scale individual level? Because at, at what point when it comes to, you know, just defending this nation, say, because obviously it's, it's America. Ultimately, we just we want America to stay the way that it is, given just just freedom, given it's the ideals, given of the American dream, where you want the freedom, you want to be an individual, you want to be able to go out and pursue whatever it is that you want to do in life. Yep. But that's that's not the agenda of every single country. Absolutely. Is is there going to be a point where another country that that is having one person making all the decisions, having his ideals, he he wants people to follow suit he wants people to where you know yeah and not naming names not naming specific things just speaking you know very broadly here but it just at what point when someone else enters the room enters the united states and looks at us and says you're gonna do what we're doing at at what point is all these individuals you know as as a whole as a country where do we stand a chance when it comes to that one person with everything that he has beneath him all of his resources all of his supplies and and it's his word against sure. everyone else's well there's a lot of debate on this um i think you actually may have heard part of episode 25 where i had the guy on that was all about private defense yep um but this is a very complicated topic as someone who's not a military scholar this is a very challenging topic for me i learned a lot from listening to that guy uh, just so people know, Nathan was in the military, so he also can speak to some of this. Um, but essentially, of course, you're always going to have outside influence and you're always going to have outside 
uh, competitors or, or countries that view you as an enemy, um, our, our fundamental belief is that if we stop fucking with people, they will probably not fuck with us so much. And if we're very armed, an invasion makes almost no sense. Like the, we can't even take over Afghanistan, you know? And we, if we had America who's armed way better and way gnarlier, and they're also based off freedom and they're prospering because their economy is all based off of uh, free market capitalism, it would be a tall task for any other country to actually conquer us. In my view, the only major risk would be some country who's upset with us for all the shit we've already done you know, say Russia, um, China, whoever looks at us and goes, Oh, they've disarmed, you know, they're, they no longer have a standing army. Um, we just flatten these motherfuckers. Like it's possible. It's possible that some other country did that. But, but what you have to remember is that ultimately what benefit is it to them to wipe us off the face of the earth? I mean, other than the fact that, you know, yes, were a bastion of freedom and they could view that as a threat to them in some existential outside nebulous way. That doesn't really make a ton of sense to me. It, it would normally you only attack a country when they're a threat to you or they have something that you want. So if America is no longer a threat because we've denuclearized and we've stopped with our standing army, we've stopped with all of our invasions across the Middle East and elsewhere, why would they want to fuck with us? It like, Sure, could they? Sure. I, I can't say that they wouldn't, you know? Uh, but this is one of those hypotheticals that it's like, I'd rather take my chances, I guess. So. Right. And I, I, I do like the point that you brought up where you said, you know, say we did disband, say that it, it does come down to individuals and we are just basically not necessarily becoming pacifists, but in the mindset of, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's not us trying to impose our, yeah. you know what I mean? Our we, way we of life be, to others as well. We would be non-interventionists. At, at what point, is yeah i mean at what point do they look at history at what point given everything that's happened in the past mm -hmm. and at what point can we say hey you know what we're taking a step back we're we're getting out of this now at what point are those other countries that at some time in history were enemies of ours are they just going to be like okay like yeah they're taking a step back like we're we're not going to do this anymore right you know what i mean yeah it's i i understand the concept and i, I think you answered it, it really well um, because yeah, I mean, if we, if we pull out of the fight and, and we're not looking to take something from others and, and everything can be, you know, whether it's trading or whether it's, um, just purely based off of our own economy, just taking care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and, well, and we would still trade with others that that's the, that's the real reason a lot of people believe that they wouldn't want to attack us because we would be such a fucking, you know, golden cow to them because we would be producing everything. I mean, we would just be like a, a, burgeoning blossoming economy that could that could be a real source of both wealth and products to other countries so it's like if they are benefiting from our existence and there's no downside you know we're not we're not threatening them we're not telling them what to do we're not telling them how to live basically all the shit that they hate us for now we've stopped it you know would they just based off of a vendetta still say we're gonna nuke these dudes like yeah, it's possible. I mean, it really is. It's possible, but it's unlikely because if you think about it, America as, you know, whatever figurehead, say Ron Paul's president, he goes out there and he says, we're going to denuclearize and we're going to stop fucking with everybody across the planet. The rest of the planet cheers. I mean, some of our allies probably freak out because they know that we're protecting them by, from their neighbors. Um, but all of our enemies in particular would be thrilled. You know, they'd be like, thank God that you're going to stop fucking telling us how to live and stop threatening us. Would they then see 
any moral justification for then turning around and nuking us. Like, it's pretty unlikely. Not to mention, they would then be viewed by the rest of the world as absolute tyrants. That Like, America announced that they were done being the ruler of the world, and then you nuked them, you sons of bitches? Like, uh, so you have to kind of rely on humanity when it gets to that level. Um, now, keep in mind, this is more of an ANCAP answer to this. The libertarians actually believe in maintaining a military. They believe in a defensive military, not necessarily a standing army, but they would probably believe in maintaining nuclear weapons. So if you want to maintain nuclear weapons as a libertarian, that is still on the table. Um, most libertarians don't believe in having a standing army because they don't want to have the forces ready for invasion. Basically, the concept being that as long as you have a standing army and you have a military industrial complex that is financially profiting from the existing structure as it stands today, you're going to continue to find reasons to fucking fight, um, which... We have nothing but history to prove that to be accurate. So, yeah. um, I mean, ultimately, I just want to say as far as every country everywhere to just denuclearize and, and just not have those. Because, of course, I mean, you think about it, you think of World War Three and it's it's a couple pushes of the button yep. and it's it's, it's game over. It's what, 80 percent of the population is dead on impact. The other 20 are dead in the next few days due to yep. ra- radiation fallout. It's game over. No respawn. Ultimately, a bad idea. I, yeah, I a really do, bad idea. I do like the concept of of still having a military, of still having some form of defense, because because of course you never know. And and you did say you know say America does pull out, and it comes down to having faith in humanity of of others from different countries, from different cultures, um, different upbringings, different political theories, like everything about it. And it's it's our. I mean, ultimately now it's our trust in them yeah. to do the right thing based off of ultimately what we think the right thing would be yeah but Um, but it's also it's also not just trust basically we have to trust they're not going to nuke us but we kind of have to do that anyways like we have nukes but you still have to trust that north korea is not going to nuke us someday well it's i mean it's it's different though when we also have our own facing at them i know i know but it still requires trust it requires trust in their their love of life you know, like you could have a madman who just says, fuck it, I'm going to nuke America. I don't care if I get nuked in return. There are plenty of radicals out there that feel that way. Um, so that risk doesn't actually go away. But what I wanted to get to real quick is that it's not that we don't believe in having defense. Libertarians, as you know, I'm armed. I believe in having personal defense. I just don't believe in national defense on a organized level where you have to pay taxes or you get put in prison to do so. I see. Okay. So uh, we want it to be voluntary. We would have militias. We would have, um, you know, basically organizations of national defense, but it would all be voluntary. So that, you know, guys like you that have military experience upon, upon attack would almost certainly, you know, hear the call to arms and come running. Uh, you tell me, am I wrong? Would the military guys, if they were out of the service and say 10 years from now, we get invaded by Canada or Mexico... Would they not fucking? First off, I mean, if we're getting invaded by by Canada or Mexico, that's gonna be that's gonna be a very quick fight. I feel like that's that's not something. But no, I mean, you you are right. There there are there there's patriots. There's a lot of patriots that yeah. are still alive in America. Hell yeah. Just when it comes down to those are to the, the people that we're talking to right now. Absolutely. For the it, just, it, it comes down to the last time that we needed volunteers, right, for the military, and and something big happened, mm-hmm. world scale. Something big happened. There wasn't enough, and that's when you have the draft. That's when you have which. Which are you talking about? Just the world wars. Oh, okay. when, you know, yeah. just and it just it comes down to. But those were still wars of aggression, not defense. I mean, you could argue that World War II was a war of defense, kind of, but ultimately it only occurred 
because we were uh, embargoing Japan so that they couldn't get oil. And I, yep, I, so, I see. I see your point. It just obviously speaking in speaking in the past is is difficult because yeah. we're trying to look into the future. We're exactly. trying to see, you know. But so we still have to use those as comparisons. It, it's all we have. It's yeah. what we have to go yeah. off of. But yeah. I mean, ultimately, you look at hypothetically again going going into the future going forward is say it is decentralized military but there is still a national level defense and it comes down to volunteers militias things like that there needs to be funding for it yeah and and all of this would be voluntary as well this yep. is donations this is exactly is is there a point where you see it'd be like church tithing you know it'd be people that believe in national defense would you know give five percent of their income per year towards that but but it, would, but it wouldn't be required, of course. Exactly, that, is, is it would there, be voluntary because right. otherwise you couldn't be you couldn't you wouldn't have a libertarian society where you could imprison people for not giving their money to the government. Um, so everything would have to be voluntary. So the services provided by the government would have to be valued and acted upon by free people by their own volition, with no coercion whatsoever. That's a tough ask, but I believe that if the American people are allowed to keep their income you would see one of the most unbelievable, gracious, giving societies that's ever lived. Because we already are. That's what's so cool about America, is that even though we're taxed to fucking death, we still give more than any other country on earth. And that's just voluntary. You know, that's just a charity. So I believe that if we were to... I, I know personally, if I wasn't being taxed to death, I would give a hell of a lot more to charity. So uh, if I had no government tax bill at the end of the year... And I also had no military. I would probably be like, "Yeah, I'm going to give some money to national defense. Yeah. You know, I'm going to give some money to my my local road development. Like that's the other big one that people always bring up is like, who would build the roads? As if that's such a fucking mysterious question. Like we would never figure out how to build, you know, tar flat places between places that we exist and where we want to go. Like <laughs> it's impossible to come up with a voluntary way to do it. Um, but yeah, we would figure it out. So. Absolutely. Um, but no, I mean, it, it, and I'm so proud of you for not asking that question because that is usually the go-to. People are like, "How do you build the roads, man?" <laughs> Eric July, who I told you about last night, he has this great uh, YouTube video that went super viral, where he goes, "You ain't f you ain't fooling none of us with any of these hoe ass roads." He goes, "Fuck your hoe ass roads, man." <laughs> it's so good. It, I mean, but it. And again, I, I understand the concept of the question. Like, I understand what they're trying to get at. It just, it comes down to, you give the power to the people. You give it to the individual. There's, there's nothing stating that he needs to go and do anything that he doesn't want to. So now who's left to do the, the shitty jobs, the dirty jobs? Yeah. Well, you know I, mean, I mean, it would all come down to voluntary agreements. So, like, we would still need trash service, you know? Like, not a lot of people want to do that, but people do it today. And they would do it whether or not there's a government that's, forcing people to pay for it like i own this house for instance do you think i'm gonna want to pay to get my trash picked up a oh, fucking course i would like so like all of the shitty jobs that that have a a demand they're not going anywhere like they're just going to be privatized so i'm not going to be obligated like my electric my electric bill like of course i'm going to need electricity regardless of whether or not the government is creating these monopolies that force you know everyone in San Diego to use SDG&E or PG&E up north or wherever. Um, so basically all of these things still exist as long as there's ultimately someone who's willing to pay for it. And most of these things we are willing to pay for. So it's not that like we're going to just be like, oh, well, 
we don't have government taxes, so now we don't have roads and trash and things like that, or we don't have military. Like all of this stuff, if it's valued by people that have money and have a need for it, it should still find a marketplace that in which it can be filled. That's the idea, at least. It's it's the concept of like Uber Eats or Airbnb. It's it's a company where the the goal is transportation, but they don't own a single vehicle. Yet you have people who volunteer to work for say Uber Eats to go and grab food as well long as people are willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the the concept of okay, so now we don't have a a centralized you know someone specifically out there just to pick up trash. But now it's like hey, it's it's been a couple of days, it's been a week, two weeks. Oh no no, no. you could Here's- still you could still have a company though. I mean there there would still be private companies, but you would just have competition. So. Like, instead of me having this one Edco company that comes and picks up my trash every Monday, mm-hmm. I could hire a competitor if I wanted to. So everything, instead of being government monopolized, would have free market competition. So instead of there being just one utility company I could use, I would have the option of paying for someone else to run utilities in my house and me using them. Or I could go solar or whatever else, you know? Um, ultimately, there's no real answer to this question because... We don't know what the free market actually looks like. We don't know what it provides. We don't know what it could provide if the shackles were removed from it. If the government stopped providing these services, we have no idea what innovation might exist. We might not be driving cars today if it weren't for the government that put in the interstate highways back in the 50s. Like We may have evolved past vehicles in that regard if we didn't have government putting these flat spaces everywhere. So like, you're, you're saying all Californians are going to be traveling by dolphins in the future? I, I was thinking more, uh, you know, small craft, small aircraft. But yeah, we don't know. That's the, that's the beauty of it is that we just simply don't know. Or we might have also thought to ourselves, yes, we still want, I, I still love my muscle cars and I want to fucking drive to Idaho. So I'm going to build a flat space between here and there. You know, like that all of these things probably would still exist, but we just don't know. We don't know for sure. So another question is when it comes down to the individuals, let's, let's say, you know, city size and they are all independently owned, independently controlled, and they all have their own intentions, right? So let's say you do want to make a road from, from here to Idaho, wherever you're going at, at what point do you see that there's going to be a difficulty when it comes to working with these other cities, yeah. having to, having to pass other areas, having to pass. Cause now, now I see it as, well, it, as would, it wouldn't be cities. It would be all private ownership, but continue. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yep. That, that's the concept I'm trying to get at is, is now it's just, it's privately owned. It, it's a bunch of people that are, you know, they have houses out, out in the countries, you mm-hmm. know, out in the country somewhere. And some company wants to pay their, pay for their house, pay for their land, get them off and build this, this big ass road. Yep. At what point it, does it take one person to just say, Oh, like, no. And then the whole project's scrapped. Like, yeah, do, do you feel like at, at what point is there... They're going to have to pay the price. I mean, that that is that is really... when it, I agree with you. Yeah, of course, there are situations where like the net communal good could be damaged by one person's obstinance where they're like, I am not fucking moving. And they're like, well, we have this billion dollar project that's going to bring a thousand jobs to this community. Well, if that's the case, you better pay the dude a lot of money. You know, you, you better pay him to move and sell you his property. Um, ultimately, all of these things would boil down to private contract and you know voluntary agreements. So of course, there are always going to be conflicts in private ownership as there are with anything else, um, but it's not insurmountable. Oftentimes, it's, it's far more surmountable than, it, than when it boils down to government shit. You know, government stuff is like often fucked. 
like basically always fucked. Right. So so people bring up like the the private contract agreement and being like, oh, well, what about this one guy who won't sell? It's like, yeah, well, then you build the fucking road around him. Like that's how it works. You know, it's it's a pain in the ass. Um, but that's what you would have to do. So that's the answer. Yeah. Um, so we've been talking kind of broadly and in, in the beginning, I said, I didn't want to specifically dive into, you know, like a biased opinion or beliefs or things like that, but I, I kind of want to, so, uh, and I, I've already told you this, but of course, like the viewers is, so I started at episode 19 is, is the first one that I watched and I've watched everyone since then, except for the very last one that came out a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a big road trip coming up. So, you know, I, I don't know what you've covered in those first 18, but I'll, I'll find out really soon. Oh yeah. No worries. So if there's any redundancy, it's no big deal. Awesome. So I wanted to ask is how old were you or where were you? What were you doing at, at what point did you make that switch? Did you make that turn? Cause of course here I am, I'm, I'm not leaning one way or the other. I'm not biased in any way. Yeah. Um, ultimately I have a very passive opinion just because it's, it's not very hard set one way or the other. I'm not going to fight some guy because he says something different. It's just the, the world is open possibilities and I just, I'm, I'm standing in the middle of it, having everything around me. Yeah. Um, but, but for you specifically, like what made, what made that click? What made that, that, that sharp decision to where one day you woke up and you're like, you know what, this is my path. This is where I'm sticking. Yeah. Um, for me, I mean, as I mentioned in episode 19, which you heard, my dad was a libertarian. So, uh, I grew up with kind of a, a very outside influence from it. I I wasn't raised by him. I was raised by my stepdad and my mom who weren't libertarian. So, uh, I only spent a weekend a month with my dad. Um, but I did get some of the influence from him for sure. I think personally it came kind of from my, my soul, like in a weird way. And I'm not religious at all, but I'm very anti-authoritarian. I don't believe in having bosses or rulers or people that can tell me what to do. I believe in like just pure autonomy. Like I get to decide what I'm going to do when I want to do it. And so for that reason, I was, I was drawn towards this ideology just simply because I'm an asshole and I don't want people to tell me what to do. <laughs> I mean, that that's part of it. Um, but then I think the, the thing that drove it home to me was after 9-11, when I, I felt the bloodlust to want to go after the people that, that killed our people, you know? And that to me was kind of what drove it home is when I realized we had been lied to about where the, the people who had, per, you know, propagated that act upon us had come from we were told that they were from either iraq or afghanistan in fact 19 of them or something some huge uh percentage of them were from saudi arabia and we didn't fuck with them we went for these other countries um iraq in particular had basically nothing to do with it so when i was essentially tricked in my own rage into not really endorsing but kind of emotionally supporting the wars that's when i realized we need to not have that power. We need to not have the power to invade other countries based off of what some all-powerful executive branch president, whoever you want to call him, comes to the American people and says, hey, we have to go do this. Because when we have that level of power, people are too easily manipulated and ultimately it's too dangerous for the existence of humanity to have that kind of power. So that that to me is what like clinched it. Um, And then on top of that, I just think that, you know, after years and years of reading about these concepts, about following politics, following the news, realizing all the lies that we're hearing constantly, and ultimately 
believing in capitalism, believing in the free exchange of, of goods and services amongst people. I just think it's like the most moral principled answer to every question that we have is like, where do you fall on X? My answer is always freedom. It's always voluntarism. It's always like, do what you want, you know, as long as you don't hurt me and da or damage me in some serious way, do what you want. And I just think that that's the moral way to live. So um, I'm sorry, that was a really broad overarching answer but that's you know it, it's a it's a tough one so no absolutely and it, it does it, it gives me a perspective inside your head it, it lets me know you know where you were standing and, and what was going on but do you feel like and and of course talking about the freedom talking about the individual having their own power and the freedom to do what they want so you are a a business owner you you run your own business you make your own money you are your own boss everything right. is you and it takes a certain mindset. It takes a certain skill set, and it, it just it ultimately takes a certain type of person to be able to handle that type of responsibility and individualism. And on the contrary to that, there are there there's many people that wouldn't be successful in that same mindset. There's there's you're absolutely thousands, right. tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people over the history that have tried to start their own businesses and, and have failed. Yeah, well, given, I'm not even worried about those people. I'm worried about the people who have never tried. I'm worried about the people that that have been indoctrinated. Um, so a lot of this comes down to, well, sorry, let me, let's let you finish your question, but yep, I think, so, I think I know where you're going. Yeah. I mean, ultimately it's just, it's leading towards given, given the change, given if, if everything works out and it does come down to just the individuals, there are going to be many people that are going to struggle in this type of lifestyle yep. because it's, it's the people that are used to being for a lack of better words, spoon fed, yes. you know, and not necessarily meaning they come from money or, or they come from inheritance or things like that. But I no. just mean, yeah. it comes from structure, me yeah. being in the military. I mean, you, you understand it. Well, it's, it's something that I'm realizing that I'm also maybe one of those people because so I, I no, got no, no, a no. little, over I, I'm going to, I'm going to stop you right there. You're not one of those people. You're, but there's a learning curve. Yes. And I'm, I'm very much at the beginning end of it. Cause exactly. I, I go from 12 years of schooling and, and there's structure there. It's, you know, you're waking up, you're going to classes, your classes are, are scheduled out for you. You go to sports, you go to practice, you go to the game, you go home. Military service is the same thing. Military is the exact same way. So yeah. here I am 24 years old feeling like I'm back in high school and my parents are gone for the weekend. And it's like, <laughs> oh, like, what am I going to do now? And it's like, I'm I don't freaking know. I'm going to play video games and smoke pot, obviously. I'm going to play video games. <laughs> I'm kidding. I know you're not doing that. But. No, no. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just, there are a lot of people given, given, our entire history of what we've had and, and the structure that we've had. I yep. mean, this, this, this change when it does happen, of course, it's going to be gradually, people are going to be able to grasp the concept. People are going to be, they're going to have time to prepare, but ultimately one day you're going to have to cut that cord and it's, it's going to be a huge shift for a lot of people. Yep. So my, my question is, yeah, do you, do you see a lot of people having a difficult time with adjusting to of this course. individual system? Yes. Um, the short answer is yes. Uh, obviously if it were to happen, Tomorrow, oh my God, it'd be it'd be cataclysmic. You know, people would would hardly be able to handle it because it it does come down to how people are raised. It comes down to how I was raised, what my beliefs are. Of course, I joined the military. Of course, I love America and and I want to do my part. Um, so a lot of these concepts, I mean, they they make sense to me. And and there are some flaws, there are some holes, but like you said, it's 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 new, it's it's brand new and moving forward. So of course, right now. The, the people that are in power, the people that are at the top, they're, they're, the, the average age is what, 50s, 60s? It's probably 60-something. I mean, 60 60-something. 60 it's, 
it's the old generation mindset. It's it's the way that things used to be. It's how things used to work. It's what they it's what they know and it's what their entire life has been. So of course, moving forward now, they're in power and they are continuing that. So in order to get traction, to get movement on this, uh, we're not necessarily looking to change the minds of people that have had six, seven decades worth of you know the old mindset. So are we are we leaning towards the younger generations? Are we leaning towards, you know, obviously it's not going to happen tomorrow or 10 yeah. years from now, but is it 20 years, 30 years once, once millennials are, are, you know, grown and raised and they, they have their own opinions to, to be able to actually influence decisions like this? Yeah. I mean, it would definitely require, if you want any level of longevity with this movement, it's going to have to be multi-generational. You know, you're going to have to basically the same the same amount of time that it took to convince people that they they needed the state to survive, you're probably going to need that amount of time to convince everybody, oh, we don't, you know? Like, it's it's going to be slow taking that Band-Aid off. And you're not going to be able to rid yourself of the welfare state and the warfare state in a blink of an eye. You know, it's like, it's going to require some patience and some progressive steps. I think the most prudent way to handle it would probably be to have like a 10-year contract or a 20-year contract, even if you want to be really patient, where you say the federal budget is going to be cut by 5% every year until it gets to zero, you know? And like, okay, figure it out. Figure it out, Congress. Like, you're going to have 95% of your budget next year as you did this year. And taxes are going to go down, uh, or taxes will stay the same until we pay off our national debt. Basically, like, this would be, this is, King Clint talking, you know. This, this, yeah, I mean, it's it's coming from someone who knows investments. It's you know, but yeah. it's it's fixing no. I'm, I, the but damage. I'm also saying, if I was a king, this is what. Oh, oh this I, is, got I got it. This is okay. how I would actually. This is how I would implement it. That I think would be the most successful with the least chance of people falling through the cracks and dying. You know, like because at this point, people are so reliant on welfare. They're so reliant on uh, government pay. Many of them are employed by the government. Like. This shit is going to require a tremendous transition because everything that's provided by the government that still has a market value is going to have to be provided by an entrepreneur who comes up with a company that provides similar services, hopefully better, hopefully cheaper, which is what you know free market capitalism is best at, but it's not going to be through coercion. You're not going to have government that is demanding that you pay this fucking money or we either put you in prison or we kill you. Like That's the change. So... It requires a lot. So the the sudden change, the the spark that's really going to ignite this. So basically, we need another civil war with Elon Musk on our side to help fund it, and then everything's solved. I, I just I just solved it. I just learned about libertarianism, and I just solved all of your problems. You figured it out already. This is what this is why I had you on because I knew you'd figure it out. We we convince Elon Musk have the civil war. Everything's funded when we win, and we will because you know SpaceX, and we'll be flying above everybody. Fucking a. The world is done. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I honestly, that's the cool thing is that there are some tech gurus ha- who have very strong libertarian leanings. Uh, Peter Thiel, who created PayPal, uh, Elon Musk, who was also an early investor in PayPal, and then now SpaceX and everything else he's done. He's He's got a lot of libertarian leanings himself. Um, there's actually really powerful, really successful people that are libertarians. And unfortunately, many of the people in Silicon Valley who began as libertarians like that was their whole concept that what's what's really cool and I, I think this is honestly like the best analogy to explain the potential beauty and success of libertarian ideology is the 19 late 1990s internet 
There was no rules. There was no law. There was no regulation. And what did we see? The most exponential growth in the history of humanity, flat out. And that was a product of a free market that was truly unfettered for a time. Now, it's no longer that way, not even fucking close. Um, but the idea would be to maintain that unbelievable growth mindset, that incredible sense and level of freedom where whatever concept you have, you can make it happen and you can profit tremendously from it. Like we saw more innovation and more growth in that period than we've seen in probably the hundred years leading up to it. Like it's mind bending what we accomplished. And those concepts, those innovations, those new uh, platforms we can't even imagine what could be created in terms of wealth and for, you know if we give people their freedom back and that's that's the dream so every every example you said we're all individuals who are entrepreneurs and they're all self-made mm -hmm. they're, they're all people that had that mindset and and i get it i mean ultimately the, I, yeah i gotta the, get back to answering your question the, the end goal the, the end dream would be that i mean and you're right it would take decades but ultimately it's it's survival of the fittest but not necessarily in the traditional mindset, but in the mindset of it's it's those individuals who are the entrepreneurs who are are so hard set on being themselves and doing what they want to do because they have those characteristics and those morals and they have that that mental fortitude yeah. to be able to get it done. Mm -hmm. It's we need people like that to reproduce. We need yeah. people like that to reproduce a lot. Yeah, we, we do. need we need all libertarians to become Mormons and and just spread, <laughs> just spread their that, love everywhere. That that would be helpful. Um, but to to get back to your your earlier question, which yes. I think we didn't get uh, a real solid answer for, is that of course some people would be left behind. You know, if if everything is privatized, there's no longer a social safety net, all that. Um, the the obvious answer to all this is that there would still be a safety net, but it would be back to a voluntary basis. Prior to the welfare state, which really only began in the 1970s, we didn't have like much welfare until relatively recently, 50 years ago. Um, the churches were responsible for it. So the local church who cared about its community would be like, we're going to take in donations from our parishioners and we're going to divvy it out to the homeless. We're going to have you know homeless shelters. We're going to feed people. Um, we're going to have job training programs, things like that. So it's not that there wouldn't be a safety net. You know, the I think that's really the biggest misconception about libertarians is that people believe we don't care about the poor. Couldn't be further from the truth. We care about them more than anybody else. We actually want to help them. Like we view it. I mean, certainly other people think that they want to help them too. We just believe that they're misguided. Like they think that if the government gives them a thousand bucks a month and a roof over their head, they're they're helped. Like we don't think that's the answer. Sure, some people that is the answer. Like they are, say they're mentally debilitated in some fashion. They literally can't provide for themselves. Some of those people are going to need help for the rest of their lives, and there's nothing we can change about it. There are other people that are homeless that could be helped deeply and meaningfully and actually get their lives back on track. Those are the people that we really want to help. And those are the people that I don't believe are being helped by the current system. So um, I guess the, the broad answer to your question as to like what happens to the people who can't be an entrepreneur, who can't produce and grow and blossom in this, in this new free world right. is that we're still, we still have a community. It's not an obligation, but there's still a calling to help your fellow man. Like there's going to be. So I think that, uh, you know, 
while we wouldn't be obligated or coerced through law to assist these people, there's still going to be ways and uh, and hopefully innovative new ways to assist these people. So that would be the answer. I, I like that. Yeah, it's because I mean, no, you, you are right, even though it does come down to I mean, ev- everything really does kind of just factor back into the individual mm-hmm. and it's it's the characteristics that those people have. So just it, my my ultimate kind of summary for being a libertarian is it just it comes down to being a good person. And mm-hmm. it's, it's the mindset of I'm going to be a good person by not mooching. I'm going to be a good person by not slacking off. I'm going to be a good yep. person by not abusing the systems that are already in place. It's I'm going to do what I need to do to to provide for myself, for my family, things like that. It's it's a, and, and hopefully my community, too. And, and it all leads into the community. And I mean, that's the mindset of of the a patriot. It comes down to protecting their own, protecting America as a whole. But you you do it in those small steps. It's one person doing one small thing. But when it's a community of a lot of people doing one small thing each, it, it does have a big impact. And that's the fucking beauty of it is that while we do not believe in obligatory community where it's like I am an American and I am obligated to pay taxes and I have to help people in you know Washington Washington D.C. feed themselves, I do believe in community. You know beneficence or whatever the word is like i want to assist people that are in my community i don't want homeless people and drug addicts in my community like there is a if if you want to go the ayn rand route who wrote a whole bunch of novels that are kind of the basis of some libertarian ideology it's like there is still self-interest in assisting strangers like if if i just want to do it out of selfishness there's still a reason for me to help like i don't necessarily just want to do out of selfishness um but even if i did that's a good enough reason you know, like it's a good enough reason to try and help a homeless person is just because I don't want them in my fucking community. <laughs> you know, like right. it goes both ways. It doesn't always have to be from like just a bleeding heart place. And I think that's the mistake is that people people start to feel like like if you donate money and then you tell your friends, people shame you for it. I think that's so fucking stupid. Like let people get clout for helping what, no matter what their reasoning is, like who cares it, if someone's willing to work a, a day of labor and then give that money to some fucking foundation, applaud it. Like you don't have to shit on people just because they're like, oh yeah, I donated 200 bucks. No, no. I, I, small caveat. If they're donating to a political campaign who wants to enslave you like we have today, sh- feel free to shame the fucking assholes. Like I don't give a shit. Anyone that brags about voting like for Hillary Clinton or any, or John McCain or any of these warmongers. I think you should shame them, um, but if it's if it's voluntary and it's to a, a voluntary uh, you know service like the Red Cross or something like yeah, applaud them. Who gives a shit? So yeah, that it's basically like while it's based off of individualism, there is still a net communal benefit that occurs from it, um, and it's you it's know, just it's not structured though. It just it comes exactly. down. It just it comes down to. You do what you can. Yeah. And, and you know what's what's really a great analogy for that is free market capitalism. Like, think about if if you tried to imagine the American economy or the global economy today, one person trying to imagine all of it, impossible. You couldn't even imagine all of the goods and services because you don't have all of the knowledge. You don't have all of the demands. You don't have all of the materials. You don't have all of the, the innovative ideas because one of us can't do it. But when you allow free people to do free shit, you create unbelievable masterpieces of beauty. Endless possibilities. Endless possibilities and endless innovation. And I think that that is um, 
basically an extrapolated example of what libertarianism, if it were seen to fruition, even on, even on a state level, like if just one small state, like say Idaho seceded from the union and they were allowed to become this libertarian utopia I'm talking about, I, I think that the GDP of Idaho would be bigger than the United States in like 30 years. Like that's my honest belief. Um, can I prove it? No, I can't. But I'd bet a lot of money on it. I'd fucking move there. I'll tell you that. So um, that's, that's the idea. You seem to really like Idaho. I think it's I think it's been brought up two or three times in yeah. this podcast alone. Is, yeah. there, is there something you're not telling me? They, they have they have no state income tax and uh, they had very limited lockdown rules. Like they they really leaned towards freedom during this past six months. So they they got on my radar recently. It, it sounds like it. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not going there. But you know, there's there's a reason that I keep bringing it up. It, it's out there. You might as well you know Google <laughs> a thing about a thing. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So. And and I just want to say it's it's been really nice to be able to have this conversation. Um, just thank you for doing it. Just, it's been a just the knowledge, because I mean, of course, this this isn't. It just it sounds like the system where it's not. Hey, like this is what it is. This is how it's going to be. It just everything seems fluid. Everything seems like mm-hmm. you know it's not. Oh, this is the plan. This is what we're doing. It just this is the direction. But but you're free to get there how you want to. You're absolutely right. And you know how you asked early on why why isn't this happening? Like what what would we have to do to get people on board? The, the main, uh, I, I personally believe that the main reason that people are so averse to it, the reason that we haven't had it take hold, is that people find too much anxiety in that uncertainty of not knowing what the outcome will be. It does require a bit of faith on my part. I believe that free people create better than people in, in bondage. You know, that's my belief. Could I be wrong? Eh, it's possible. I don't think so, though. No, but <laughs> it's, it, it's a great point because, I mean, you, you tie this all into innovation. You tie this all into people being allowed to pursue what they want to. And, and, and ultimately, I mean, it's a cheesy saying, but to, to reach for the stars, it's, it's allowing individuals to not be confined by, by resources or laws or, or whatever it is and to allow them to create something new without feeling like they're already in this system where they're trapped, where they feel like they, they're in their line, they're in their place, and they, they can't go anywhere. Yeah. So you, you break it down and you allow people to to just come to, up with that to next dream again. thing. And it just, yeah, but not even just dream again, because people have dreams. People will be sitting in a cubicle for, for 50 years dreaming every single day, but knowing the system that they're in, knowing the system that we currently have yeah. is if they leave this job, they're going to you know, lose their house. If they lose the house, they're going to lose, you know, their wife. If they yep. lose, it just, it, it comes down to, yeah, yeah, it's, it's so tough to just kind of put into words, but it's just, it's the concept of allowing people to be happy again. Yeah. And, and I think that a lot of the unrest we've seen over the past uh, six months in particular, there's been a lot of unhappiness yeah, in the and, world. And I think that's a huge product of it is that, you know, all of this, the focus has been all about police brutality and that's a meaningful issue so i'm not trying to downplay it but i think that the the overarching discontent is the fact that people feel like they have been enslaved you know they feel like they have been treated poorly and they're right they have been treated poorly we are taxed to death and then we're also dictated to on how we have to live and where we have to be and what we have to do and people don't like that. Some people do. You know, some people have Stockholm syndrome. Some people love their captors. Free people don't, for the most part. Free people like to fucking do what they want to do. And all libertarianism is about is about giving those people 
that that option back. And and the reason I said that it, it gives them a chance to dream again is not that people don't have dreams today. Of course they do. Um, but a lot of people have given up on their dreams. A lot of people believe that they're unattainable. And we're trying to create an environment in which pe- in which people feel like they have not just the capacity and the ability to succeed, but the structure in which it makes sense. You know, the structure in which like, I'm going to take this risk because it's always a risk. There's never a guarantee, but I'm going to take this risk and I'm not going to fail because the government fucks me. You know, like that, that is a huge detraction from innovation and it happens all day, every day across this country and across this planet. Right. And I'm one of those people, you know, I have a lot of ideas that I haven't pursued because I know the regulatory environment in banking and things of that nature make it so that if I were to grow a, above where I'm at today, I would run into so many more legal and cost issues that it's just like, I make a good living. Why do it? And you know, like we were talking about having you work for me a couple years ago. It's like, I don't want to get bigger because the bigger guy in a, in a communist society gets hammered down. Like the highest nail gets hammered down. I like being just beneath the radar. And that is not a healthy civilization structure. You know, like, you do not want people who are smart and innovative and willing to take risks to say, I'm not going to do it because I want to avoid the government putting me in prison. You know, I, mean, I just I want to throw it out there that I don't think me learning from you and, and like being your your, you know, the mentor mentee relationship. I don't think me getting you coffee in the morning would have necessarily put your nail <laughs> higher than others. No. I, I don't think there you was... don't know that you don't know that. I think very highly of your ability. I think you could have grown my company. And I think I probably would have profited from it. But had I done that, had I grown much more than I already, at, you know, the station I'm already at, I, I would absolutely run into additional regulatory issues. Um, I don't have any employees at this point. You know, I am my sole guy. So there there are real detractions that come from from these laws and these structures. And people don't, they're not aware of them. Uh, so that's the biggest thing that I'm trying to get across to people is like, are there risks with libertarianism? Of course, there is risk with life. It's never going away. But is there greater potential upside with freedom? And the answer to me is a definitive yes. And all you have to do is look at America versus all the other economies across the globe over the past hundred years. And the answer is pretty clear. Like we crushed it. And I, I agree with that. And obviously like, yes, we had, uh, you know, wars of empire and all sorts of negative things. So I'm not trying to whitewash our history. I'm just saying that like free people create more and they create a more prosperous future. And ultimately that's the goal. So if, uh, if we can convert enough people into believing that, then we might have a chance. And if we can't, we're going to have a hard future. Um, so that's the, the path. So I, I would argue that the, the systems that we have in place now, there was a point in time in history where I feel like we needed it, where I feel like at that time, at that place, given all circumstances included, is that is what we needed. But of course... Times have changed. Of course, it's it's all about just adapting and, and overcoming to to being fluid, to to not being set in place. And I feel like that's what it is. I feel like we've been standing in place for so long with where we are that it's it's causing so much turmoil because people want to move, people want to get out, people want to have change. And although I mean, you brought up a point earlier that it's 
it's the unknown that people are scared of. Mm-hmm. It's between known knowns, things that you know about, you know, a question that you Uh-oh. know. He's going to he's gonna quote know. Dick Cheney. Here it goes. Yeah. To <laughs> to known unknowns to yes. where it's like, you know. <laughs> this is Dick I, Cheney. <laughs> absolutely. So it's, it's, I, but it just, when it comes down to a question that they don't even know what the question is about how are you supposed to find an answer to a question you don't even know? And right now it's, we need change. We need something to change. There's there's so much that's been going on, specifically just in the year 2020 alone, and and of <laughs> it's, course there's it's been a decade and six months. Yes, it's it's been a lot. So, moving forward, my question for you is: Given that we need something to change, do you feel like that this is the answer? Do you feel like ultimately that this is the next step, or do you feel like there's there needs to be something? kind of a middle ground, like a, a transition step. step. Yeah. You think so? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's really hard to say. Yeah. I, I think given the amount of indoctrination, so this, we could talk for a hundred hours about all the things that I think need to happen, but ultimately, yes, because we've all been put in public schools and we've all been indoctrinated into status ideology, it's going to require baby steps. It's going to require some intermediary, intermediary steps. I personally believe that I would rather if like if I had the option, I would probably just rip the bandaid off and go straight to libertarian um, civilization if I could, because I know that every step of the way that creates you know issues for people that are already existing within the system, it's going to make it harder to get to that endpoint because they're going to be like, oh, you know, we got rid of this program and now this dude's unemployed, and like you're gonna have you're gonna have people fighting it, and I think that that's a really it's a tough path to do it in baby steps. I think that if like, if it, if it could be agreed to though, like if I was King Clint once again, and I was like, Hey, we're going to have 5% reductions for the next 20 years until we get to zero. Like that would be the best way to do it. But I think that ultimately, like, because I would get out of power at some point and some new president would come in promising, you know, to undo everything I've done. Um, I think that that would be a really hard path, which is why ultimately I believe that secession is the best answer. So to answer your question, I think that having a state, I can go back to Idaho um, or Florida or whatever, some state that goes like, we're going to give King Clint an, a, a shot. We're gonna. This, this needs to be your Twitter handle, by the way. King you, Clint. You have, to, you have to change it. You, you've been doing countless plugs this entire, this entire podcast. I should, I should. Um, so yeah, I think that that would probably be the best way. Like that was the cool concept about America is that we had this, this revolutionary idea of, of federalism and a, and a republic is that you were going to have 50 states and they were going to have their own rules and you're going to have them basically get to, get to, you know, have these 50 explore, you know, um, what they call it. Can't remember the term, but basically it was like, we're going to have 50 laboratories of innovation is what they always said. Yeah. Um, so I, Going back to that concept would be beautiful. I would love that. Like, let some let California go full fucking commie like they're already doing. But then simultaneously let Arizona be free. You know, like let and then let uh, Idaho be minarchist and let uh, you know New Mexico be socialist. And then you know, like let each of these states become kind of their own country. Let them try their own shit and then see which one kicks ass. And then those other countries might actually look at them and be like, oh, communism sucks. Like, I'm going to try Idaho shit. Uh, so, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the idea. That's what I would like to see. I think that that's the, the, the better option um, 
for the longevity and the least amount of pain would be to allow the people to still have autonomy, still let the local states decide, but then give them free movement, allow them to move to the state that fits their ideology better and see if they actually agree at the end of a decade, you know, like, and if they don't, then they can move to the other one. So I, I think ultimately, yeah, I mean, the, the concept of just allowing people to choose, mm-hmm. allowing people just, just giving them the opportunity, I feel like we would notice a drastic increase in just overall quality of life yeah just just allowing people to have the opportunity to at least go and experience it it's 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 like dating in high school right you can't just be told hey this one person this is all you get this is your only chance there's nothing else Mm -hmm. but you you can't do that you need to experience things for your own and i I think dating is probably a a horrible option (laughs) given my but anyways, um, it just, uh, we won't go down that path. No, we, we won't. We'll say that for, uh, an after dark episode of this podcast. Um, but no, I mean, it just giving people their own internal sense of power and it, and it doesn't need to be this, this huge act. It doesn't need to be this big public display, but it's just in their own small way. Everyone is looking for those small things, yep. whether it's, whether it's going to a restaurant and having the choice of just choosing your own food yeah. com- compared to, then you take it to a, well, a political aspect. Good luck doing that in communist New Mexico. Yeah. But. Wow. <laughs> yeah. What are your, what are your options on that menu? <laughs> to eat your nephew or your, or your dog. That's how it works. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of communism. If you can't tell. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Like there is much of the unrest is about genuine slights, you know, people being afraid of the police, like, but, but a lot of that, if you boil it down to, is about feeling powerless. They feel powerless to stop it. Riots are the best indicator of powerlessness. It is a, it is a mass of people rising up saying, we've had enough. Like, they don't even have a real like, direction on what they want changed, but they know they want change. And that's where, unfortunately, people require a compelling, charismatic leader to show them the path that makes the most sense. And sometimes you get lucky and you get a Ron Paul who's gonna like direct them towards freedom. But more often than not, you're gonna get a Donald Trump or you're gonna get a Mussolini or Hitler. And it, it can get really bad really fast. And that's, that's my concern is that because so many people feel powerless in this country, they are the country itself is being torn in two different directions. Both of them, though, are status directions. Neither is really demanding freedom. They're just asking for a different brand of totalitarianism. And that's, that's why we're in the problem that we're in. So, I, I like what you said about like, where the power of a riot comes from. Because it's, it's individuals who feel powerless that feel this, this sudden urge, this, this sudden surge of taking back control knowing that there's other people just like them in the same mindset but then applying the concept of where the power of a riot comes from to becoming a libertarian and it's, yeah. it's all these individuals that are are all on their own but together i mean you see and and granted given riots given you know certain circumstances riots can can turn ugly of course right it's but it's it's still them fighting against a, a power not not all of them are, always have good intentions yeah but there's there's dozens throughout history that you could look back that have a good cause yeah. and it's for a good reason. The Revolutionary so, War is a good one. Absolutely. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you think of that riot mentality, you think of that individual who is standing next to 10,000 other people and they are strong and, and it can be devastating both in a negative and in a positive way. Exactly. So 
my my goal with this show, the reason I started it during lockdown, my goal was to direct that energy in a positive path. Because I know how dark and how horrendous our future could be if we allow it to go there. Um, but anyways, we have a, uh, a going away party for you, so we're going to get out of here. Um, you want to tell anybody about your, uh, your internet stuff? So, uh, yeah, sure, I will. So, I mean, first off, though, I... I would like to say, given this experience, given this opportunity, if if I'm sitting at a bar now and someone walks up and just randomly out of the blue, they're like, hey, like, you know, where where do you kind of lean towards the whole political thing? I, I think I'm half tempted to say I might be a libertarian. Oh, we did it. I think so. It's, we fucking did it. Because it's it's it is it's it's powerful and it's addicting and it's it's that's awesome and, and for me like i'm i'm a hopeless romantic okay in all in all sorts of the, the word so am i and it just it comes down to. I will always believe in somebody. I'm not one of those people where it's don't trust anyone until proven otherwise. I am always, as long as I can remember, I've always been, I trust everybody until proven otherwise. That's, and well, I'm not that way, but that's nice of you. Yes, it's just, <laughs> but it's, it's I'm, a, I'm a trust but verify type. And I agree with that. Okay, yeah. it's, I might have to change what I'm saying. It just, <laughs> but it, it comes down to I am hopeful and I, I, I do always like to imagine giving anyone that right opportunity but but not setting them up for failure yeah giving them an honest chance yeah giving them an equal opportunity to be sure. able to to just see what they have and see where they go with it yep and it, it's not to put one person above another it's not putting two people against each other just to see who wins but it's just putting two people and it's how hard are you willing to work for what you want mm-hmm. and and everything about this everything about the the ideas of it is it comes down to in order to make this happen, rightfully so, it kind of needs to be that mob right mentality where it's we need to be a bunch of individuals who can come together, find power in that, yep. and then let that just steamroll and collect and just snowball. But you have to convince the mob of your ideas because if you don't do that, they will not stand in unison with you. So that's, well, well, I don't personally want to be a participant in a mob. If I was a participant in a freedom mob, Okay, I'll give it a shot. You know, um, I I really think that ultimately, like, yeah, the the ideas have to be taught to these people, but they have to be felt more than just taught. Like, you have to feel it in your heart that like this is the best way to live. Not just but not just for me, but for everybody. Obviously, you can tell by looking at me. I believe that to my core. Like, I believe that this ideology, if it were to be put into place, even on a state level would be so much more beneficial to anything we've tried in the history of man. Like that's my honest belief. And I have plenty of examples. I have plenty of reasons to believe in it, but ultimately it takes a little bit of leap of faith. And, and ultimately I am a hopeless romantic in that regard. Like I look, I look around me, I see the national debt. I see the riots. I see all of the the craziness that's in our political environment today. And I'm still an optimist. That's, that's borderline psychotic to still be an optimist in this environment. But I am. And I'm, I'm with you on that, though. Yeah, but I'm only an optimist if we can actually get the mob to demand freedom, you know? If they demand further government assistance, if they demand a bigger state as a reaction to all of this, it gets very dark very quickly. So I am trying every day to convert a few more people to believe in giving freedom a chance again. Because a lot of people think that what they're suffering under today is a failure of free market capitalism. When in rea- reality, what they're suffering under is a failure of crony capitalism. 
a capitalism that is dictated by the powerful for the powerful and it will exist in this structure as long as we allow it to exist. That's why the people are rioting because they know something's wrong, but they don't understand exactly what. And I'm trying to give them the exam- the answer as to what is actually wrong. It, it comes down to passion because passion will drive someone to go for sure 10 times farther than where they thought they could. I mean, it's, it's, it's me standing at a baseball game, listening to the American anthem, right? Listening to, mm-hmm. to, to just one person out there on the field. There's, there's tens of thousands of people in the stands and everyone stands up and there's a moment of silence and there's, there's, you take your hat off mm-hmm. and you just, you listen. And it's just, it's the, the feeling if, if you aren't, and it, it's difficult because of course, with everything that's happened in, in the past decade or two, there's, there's a lot of people that, that are not agreeing with it anymore. But it just they they and for, it used to. And for the record, I'm one of them. But I agree with you. I want to stand. Mean, but that, but that I want to stand feeling, and feel that way I wanna, again. Too. I want to feel that again. Absolutely. I, I remember being a kid and and just listening to it and thinking about it and just the the fireworks and and exactly. just everything about it. I mean, it, it gives your whole body this this sensation. Yep. And I just I I, I don't know how it's going to happen or or where it's going to happen. There's there's someone much smarter than me in a room thinking of ideas. Um, I'll get him coffee. I'll get you coffee. We already talked about this, but it just, it comes down to whatever happens, the direction that we need. I want every single person in America to, to be a patriot. I want every single person in America to not, not be embarrassed of where they come from or where they were raised. I don't want them to be on a global level of, Oh yeah, I, that's where I'm from. Yeah. You know, yeah. it just, I want that it's feeling tragic. again. Yeah. I, and- I want to be able to, to have the flag sitting in my front yard on a, on a, on a pole, right. And not have people drive past and, and curse obscenities right. because of what they think that flag now represents. Exactly. Because it just, to me, it just, this is my home and I want to protect it and I want to make it the best I possibly can. Yeah. And, and we haven't cleaned up in a while. We need no. to do some spring cleaning. We need to take care of some stuff. And I just, I want that feeling back yep. of, of my home. I agree. Uh, I mean, I, I felt a very similar level of patriotism when I was a kid. And I think a lot of that was derived from the fact that my dad in particular drove home, you know, how unique America was. It was like, what, what made us stand apart from the rest of the world? And it was largely that we believed that the government was a danger as opposed to a necessity. Like that, that's what made America so fucking cool to begin with. And I'd like to get back there. Like, even if, you know, obviously I would like to be done with the government entirely, but if if I were to see just in my lifetime a minarchist state where, you know, it's ten percent of its current size or five percent of its current size, it'd be a dream come true because I think that the innovation that would uh, be derived from it would be awe-inspiring, um, and I think that there would be much less social unrest. I think people there would be a, a galvanized patriotic sensation. We wouldn't look at the American flag as like uh, a symbol of empire and a symbol of oppression, which a lot of people do today. And I think the only way you change that mindset is to actually change what this country has been about. And, you know, well, well, America was founded on some great principles with some obvious black eyes. Uh, I almost said black guys, but that would have been too on the nose. Black eyes is what I meant. Uh, I think that ultimately, like, the principle of America was about individualism and valuing the individual and freedom over pretty much anything else. And... That's why I think that this is the best place to give libertarianism its, you know, maybe its last and best chance at thriving because the principles from which most Americans have based their ideas is largely a libertarian concept. So we'll see. 
Absolutely. Clint, I want to thank you for this this opportunity. Yeah. Uh, it's been fun. It's It's been really fun. I enjoy listening. I enjoy learning about this. Hell yeah, um, man. But allowing me and, and allowing the other listeners to to take this opportunity, if they are kind of new to this, if they are just, you know, picking this up as they go and, and trying to understand the concept and, and grasp it for what it means to them. Mm-hmm. It just, I mean, ultimately, yeah, like I said, I, I, I think I definitely am leaning towards this direction. It's um, awesome. And, but, and I know you're moving away, but I hope that you'll stay in touch and we can, uh, you can bounce any questions you have off of me as you kind of get deeper into the ideology. But absolutely. Um, I, I had a feeling, I had a feeling it would land with you. So I'm, I'm glad I was right. Uh, but definitely, um, you know, Hit me up anytime you have questions. And if you want to tell people about your OnlyFans, I'd appreciate that. Uh, definitely not sharing my feet pics. Those are <laughs> those are for me only. Uh, no, man, but but for real. It's um, OnlyFans backslash uh, Nathan'sFeet.com. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. I might need to, I might need to start that up, actually. Um, no, but but for real, it's it's a short plane ride to come back. I'd, yeah. I'd love to come back and visit, man. Oh, hell yeah. Um, I've had a ton of ton of fun. I've known you for about three years now, yeah. and we never have really dove into the political side. Our our entire group just just a, a casual group of people that want to go play you know volleyball. Yeah, and it's it's all these different individuals that do different things and think different things. But it just honestly, in its own small way, in a sense, like we were all libertarian, where everyone just did their own thing and like yeah. no one cared. Yeah, because it's just. And you it could. And, and have you ever experienced a more beautiful community in your life? I, I, I'm telling you right now, it's it's been the highlight of of me. It, it it's not even fair that I met this group in California because, of course, <laughs> you think of California and it's like, oh, I don't know the about the people. <laughs> yeah. But I, I will forever, forever uh, talk about that the group I, that I met out on the beach just randomly I walking know, around. Man. That's exactly how I feel, and. And I, I hope that uh, we can bring the libertarian volleyball community to the rest of the world one day. It just if, if that <laughs> feeling, though, if that sense of family and community can be created from all these strangers from from different places, exactly. I, I, you know, just doing something. It's just we had one thing that brought us together. Yep. And it was it was just being athletes and being competitive and, and just going to play a game a yep. couple times a week. But it's. It's everything else that it means. It's and, it's and the, girls in bathing suits, but you know whatever. That's also you know I you know well, that's why we wear sunglasses so we don't get caught. <laughs> Anyways, we got we got people here, so we got to run, dude. Um, thank you so much for coming on, Nathan. It was a pleasure. And uh, anybody wants to follow me, it's at Liberty Lock Pod. Leave a five star review on iTunes, and I will shout you out on next week's show. All right, brother, we're out.